you to this week's Northeast Newscast podcast. We have in studio Anna Marie Tutera. She is with, she's a director, I should say, of the Kansas City Museum. Uh, Glenn North, you, I always forget your title. You are the director IT. of your IT. <laughs> right, right. No. <laughs> God forbid. No, I'm the director of Inclusive Learning and Creative Impact. Great. And Randy Bacon. You are a professional photographer and, I would say, a life chronicler from Springfield, Missouri. Yes, you're the first one that's ever called me that, but I think that's going to be my new title going forward. A life chronicler? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, you're, you're exactly right. I'm just fascinated by life, and I, I try to do my best at chronicling the stories. Well, looking at your website, it's very deep, and, and you yeah. capture a lot of emotions with those photographs. We'll talk about that. Here in a minute. And then, Stacy Mayer, you are with Restart. Yes, I am. And how long have you been with Restart, and what do you do for them? A little less than a year. I'm the Director of Development and Marketing. This episode was made possible by Shemeika's Online Market in Delhi. It's time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Shemeika's Online Market in Delhi, offering catering and nationwide shipping at shemeikasonline.com. Find their new deli at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shemekas, where customers become friends and friends become family. And now back to the newscast. This episode of the Northeast Newscast was made possible by Shemekas Online Market in Delhi. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I appreciate it. And do you want to say you're, you're Randy's wife, right? <laughs> say hi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, this is... This, this is relevant. This is extremely relevant because I've got uh, a meeting this evening, as a matter of fact, down at the med school. They're hosting a meeting on homelessness and the winter uh, preparedness plan that they're going to be rolling out. Uh, so this exhibit is timely in that manner because just of that and homelessness is such a hot topic. Randy, what, walk us through how you got started doing this and your partnership with Restart, how did that come to be? Well, it's, uh, it's a process that's been, it's been going on now probably 15 years, and I came into it almost backdoor, as I may say, and that is I, uh, I have a gallery in downtown Springfield, Missouri, and so... Go Bears. Often, Go Bears. Oh, well, yeah, good <laughs> luck to them. And, and so I would have uh, members of the unsheltered community, the homeless community, come into the gallery. And to begin with, I found myself like, I don't want this person in here, it's like so many people in today. But then I started talking to him. I just gave him a minute. Then I gave him two minutes. And what I found out is like, I really like this person. I'm fascinated by this person that just doesn't happen to have four walls. Mm-hmm. And through that relationship, and I realized, boy, I've been remiss. And that started a flame within me. It's like, I have to capture these wonderful people, capture their stories, and realize I'm not going to change the problem in its entirety, but yet maybe I can change some hearts along the way. And so since that time, that's what I've been doing. And it started out with a series called The Road I Call Home. Mm-hmm. And that officially started in... Uh, 2014 and it's still going but through that project uh, that connected me with this organization restart which I'm telling you what I'm so impressed by this organization 
the way that they are out in the trenches trying to make a difference in their community. And, and so Restart is like, hey, we would like to do something like this in Kansas City. And that started the conversation and then it flipped towards uh, looking at folks that were homeless but now have a home. And so that's what this exhibit's about. It chronicles that journey of 18 different individuals. And why restart? Why? I know you just said, but give us a little bit more background as to your choice for working with restart. And I'll, Stacey, I want to ask you a couple things here in just a second, too. You know, it wasn't really like a choice per se, as much as uh, Stephanie, the executive director of Restart, uh, connected with my work. And, and I think that's important with what I do with individuals, see the work and it's not like, hey, it's a, it's a pretty photo or something. It's like there's something deeper that happens. That's what happened with Stephanie Boyer, the, the executive director of Restart. And that just started a conversation. And this started, this conversation started before that magic year of 2020. Mm -hmm. Right. That's when we first started talking about this. And then of course, 2020 happened and everything went back burner. And I thought that was done. I, I did not think it was ever going to be resurfaced, mm -hmm. okay, because the conversation stopped. But I happened to have another exhibit, which was at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And guess who was in attendance? Stephanie. Nice. And so at that event, she's like, oh, we've got to start talking again. And there we go. And I, I'm just going to I'm gonna throw this out there. i gotta, I got to give props to Restart because there was – I can't remember when it was three, four years ago when the city started to roll something out and it wasn't up to restart standards. I can't remember what it was specifically, but I think it was winter housing and something didn't fly right for you guys. And you pulled out of it to your credit because it was just poorly put together. So props to you guys. And that's going to be my political soapbox for, for this hour. Thank you very much. There's my disclaimer, but walk us through, how you worked with uh, with Randy and some of the people that you chose to be in that exhibit. Sure. So the, the biggest thing to understand about Restart is that we're what we would consider a low barrier housing first shelter, which means we don't require sobriety. Any Anybody who is experiencing homelessness is welcome. So we serve unaccompanied minors from ages 12 to 16. We serve families. We serve pregnant women. We serve single men, single women. And we don't define what a family is. It could be two men and children. It could be a single father. Some shelters don't allow for that. And the idea being that we believe with safe and stable housing and nutrition, which we provide three meals a day, that's the beginning of the path to healing the trauma that may have caused the path to homelessness. And as Randy said, you know, you cannot look at his work on this topic or any other things he's done and not sort of break down whatever stereotypes you may have when you see people. So in this case, homelessness is filled with a lot of stigma. People make judgments about folks standing on a street corner or who may be dealing with some mental health challenges and, and they think, oh, they don't, they don't want to work, they're just lazy, or they have a mental health thing, or there's a drug addiction, and that's why they're homeless. And the truth of the matter is, to his point, once you speak, speak to them and you hear their stories, how they got there. We've had nurses and lawyers in our shelter, but one thing or another has happened in their life and here you find them. And the point of this is to hear the stories, see the pictures, read the stories, and realize that we have really more in common with one another 
than we don't have. And so we had several folks um, that he captured, including a couple youth that came to us in their teens that became homeless in their teens and the trauma that ensued there. One young man was 17. He came to us after his grandmother had been raising him. He and his brother were separated and being raised by different people because their mom couldn't. couldn't. And then the grandmother died. In the meanwhile, his brother was also killed by gun violence. And at 17, he found himself homeless. So fortunately, he found us. He was part of a retreats program that we have where the kids make organic dog biscuits. They learn job shop skills, how to make them, how to market them, how to talk to people about them, and, and really build up their resume. Also save money while they're living in shelter. They've moved through our transitional living program, and eventually the goal is to get them into their own independent housing. In that time, they're also learning financial stability, literacy, all of that, life skills along the way, with bosses who understand the trauma they've been through. So if, if you were their boss at McDonald's or Office Depot or whatever, and you don't know that it took them three buses, and they may or may not have had breakfast that morning, and they may or may not have been abandoned or seen their sibling killed, how can you empathize with how hard it was to get there that day and why when someone maybe isn't great to you, polite as a customer, that might be a trigger for something. So practicing those skills along the way with a case manager, which we have, who understands what they're going through, really helps them put themselves in the right spot. We also have a couple that came to us who was unhoused. They they took full responsibility for how they got there. While living with us, they really built up their strength as a family. They built up reading skills for their children. They got job skills for themselves, became employed, and now they have their own house. It just sort of runs the gamut. But the, the point of the exhibit is to show all those different stories. And I can, as somebody who's been married, well, been, am married to a public school, school teacher, uh, 30 years. She's back in the classroom. She went back in the classroom this year. But all of that, all of that student stuff, we dealt with that with her. And independent school district actually had a had a, a housing component for the kids that were part of McKinney Vento, which is if you don't know what McKinney Vento is, that's for homeless students. It, it's an act that covers homeless students. But they had kind of like a dormitory there. And when she told me some of the people that just in, in, and she is a debate coach. She got the best of the best in that class. And when she told me that, you know, a few of her kids were couch surfing or were, were doing this and then ended up there, you, you kind of step back and go, what, 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 really? That person? And so I, it, it, it start to, you know, top to bottom, side to side, you never know. You just never know. Um, and that's why I think, Randy, your photographs, I've looked at them. Uh, yesterday and today, and I spent a lot of time looking at, you know, it's the road I call home. Road I call home. See, look at me. Thank you. Um, (laughs) But looking at those photographs, it's, it was really telling to me because there's more than just, you you see more than the face and you see behind the eyes, you see behind, you see behind that face and you, you don't know what's there, but you just see behind it, you can see through it. And it's really, it's, it's gripping to me just as somebody who deals with it on an everyday basis. Well, it's gripping to me, and, you know, with all the work I do, I I never stop being fascinated by, well, this is going to sound a little bit ludicrous because I'm a photographer, which is a visual medium, but I really want people to almost feel something before you see the photo. Right. 
And, and I, again, that's ludicrous, but at the same time you look at it and something happens, almost like happens in the heart of the viewer. That's my goal because I think if I can bring people to that point while you're looking at my work, you're going to stop them. And if I stop them, then they're going to give time to what uh, is being presented. And and that's you, you see that one photograph and, that, and the one that comes to mind, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with this exhibit. It came out of Life magazine. 1972 is a Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph, Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph, and it's of the little naked Vietnamese girl that's running down the road. I don't know who took it. I have no idea. But that, it's etched in my mind because I came from that generation. And you, where is she now? What happened? How did she get there? How did she get here? And it, that's the kind of pictures that I, that's the image that I see when I look at your pictures. How does this figure into the museums? It's not just a tagline for you. It's, right. it, this is part of the whole story. Right. Well, I met Randy years ago through his wife, Heidi Herman, who is an amazing artist and fashion designer. And that's how we connected. Um, when we had the satellite location um, uh, in the Historic Garment District, um, we still run the Historic Garment District Museum, but we also had another location there when we were under construction right. with Corinthian Hall. And in working with Heidi, I met Randy. And Randy, this was years ago, I, maybe mm -hmm. it's like 2016. Mm -hmm. And we, we were in the process of developing um, our vision for the exhibits for the museum. And I think we just knew kind of instantly that we would one day work together. We both had um, a common um, belief in the beauty of personal stories and wanting to share layered and complex stories with truth and dignity and, and to really bring about a shared humanity. And at the Kansas City Museum, we are, we really embrace a city museum model. And what that means is that we focus on the past, present, and future of the city and its people. And we create content for exhibits, we create programs, and events and experiences that illuminate the importance of your story as an individual and the importance of connecting that story to others and creating this collective impact and chronicling that. Um, of course, you know, we have a, a major collection of historical materials, but we are also interpreting the present. And in doing so, we need to be able to collect these stories in many formats. And we operate with the conviction that if you tell the whole story, that can be very healing, um, and that you get to the core of the identity of a city. And so we worked with Randy on the current exhibit that we have called Our City, Our Stories, 21 still portraits 
for that exhibit on the third floor of Corinthian Hall, and then these story cards, cards um, that bring those portraits to life through the written word. Um, we are getting ready to roll out KC Together, which we were on the podcast recently talking right. about mm -hmm. um, short film, conversation films, motion portraits um, of individuals. That would be the eight billion ones. Eight billion ones, and Randy can talk about about his nonprofit. And um, and so in doing the work with Randy and operating as a city museum, we prioritize telling or, or having conversations about relevant topics in the city. Um, policy conversations. Um, and so when we were doing KC together, um, one of the individuals who we chose is a young woman who has experienced homelessness. And she's also worked with Restart and Halo Foundation amazing human and um and then i think randy you were doing this project with restart and you kind of brought us brought us all together and we had been wanting to do programming um, both public and education programming on um, homelessness houselessness and um in particular i think we're really interested in in making sure that youth have a voice um, at the city level mm -hmm. on commissions and on other projects where the city is really working to address homelessness and we want to make sure that those who are actually experiencing it are involved in these conversations and so one way that we can do our part is to partner and to create programming and, and, and support those who are doing this from classics to campers, hot rods to hoopties, Seaberg Muffler, your exhaust headquarters since 1974, Armor Road in Burlington in North Kansas City, Missouri. Glenn, what is, in an exhibit like this, what is, what kind of role do you take on in, in the public part of this exhibit? Well, um, the education programs are primarily under my purview, but I did want to just take a step back really quickly. Um, Anna Marie was referring to the Our City, Our Stories exhibit, which is on the third floor of the Kansas City Museum that features portraits of 21 people who, um, that story is really focusing on like the immigrant experience in Kansas City. And so uh, when we first reopened in 2021, 20, uh, we all kind of stationed ourselves throughout the museum uh, we kind of took a fly-on-the-wall approach. We didn't necessarily identify ourselves as museum staff. So just kind of get a beat on how people were responding to the exhibit. And without fail, whenever people came up to the third floor, you would hear kind of this collective, <gasps> because people were seeing a reflection of themselves mm -hmm. on those walls, which has not always happened in museums. Uh, representation is a huge um, issue. <laughs> that needs to be addressed in the museum industry. Whose stories are getting told? Whose uh, images are being reflected on our walls? And so 
uh, Randy just, it, it, and it's something about the way that he can capture people that is even more powerful than just a portrait of someone. As you said, you see something going on behind the eyes and something that resonates. Right. And just without fail, people were so excited to see people who they either felt they looked like or people that they actually knew because using the city museum model, um, it's not always just about telling the stories of the politicians and the wealthy. It's about telling the stories of people who live in this community and who help to make it what it is. Exactly. And that's that's told, you walk down, and that's one of the things, just to back up real quick, that's one of the things that we tell our interns here, our editorial interns, is go pick a street, walk down that street, you go knock on doors. And I want you to interview the first 75-year-old woman that you see because there's a story there. And you interview people behind those doors. And those are the people... The, the politicians don't make the neighborhoods. The bureaucrats don't make the neighborhoods. The people are what makes the neighborhoods. That's right. And that's why I think even, even the homeless people, I mean, they, they, they're, like they're not, people consider them part of the neighborhood, part of the community. So that, that said, and I've, I've had a little bit of experience doing this. We've done some interviews of homeless, uh, of homeless people that were in danger of being flooded out down by the river a few years back. And you're right. Once you get to talking to him, it's a completely different, oh, well, there's, there's a guy, he's sitting on a bench in an old army jacket, and he just, you know, he's got his double deucer and his bus bag, and he's ready to go. Um, but then when you start talking to him, it's a little bit more than that. So the 18 people that you have in this exhibit, how did you decide who, Randy, who was going to be part of that and why? Well, uh, that's to restarts credit. Totally. Uh, the, literally, the day I photographed these 18 people was the first day I ever met them in my entire life. So, you have that moment. They walk into the studio room, and 10, 15 minutes later, after we talk and everything, we go after it. You know, I start capturing the images and, and doing the videos and that type of thing. And, you know, I've been doing this professionally now for over 35 years. But I still, I'm still like that kid, really. When I get to photographing somebody, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a magic in this that I've never experienced before. That's because every single person is so unique. And that fascinates me artistically. It also fascinates me and makes me even, I think, a little sad. And that is some people, a lot of people, never get to voice their voice. Mm-hmm. Their voice is never amplified. And so a lot of the work that I do is about amplifying voices, including our, our unsheltered community. And so those 18 people, you know, uh, basically we gave Restart the job. It's like, hey, find 18 people you want me to uh, basically focus on, cover uh, as, as much uh, demographics as you can. And that was that. And I have to tell you, they came up with 18 incredible stories. For a fact, the very first one that walked in, his name is Terry. And and, and here I am. I've been photographing the, the homeless community now for, you know, 15, 16 years. He walks in and I'm like, you were homeless? I was thinking this because he was so put together. So even me, with all of my exposure of this community, I was like, I, I was I was like wow, but that was what a way to start, right? Because he even shook me a little bit, 
and his story's powerful. And he went through revealing how he became homeless, and he owned up to some issues. But then he said, I, I, I never forget this. Because, you know, I asked different things during the video portion of, of, of the different subjects capturing a video. I, I asked him, you know, like, like, when you hear the word home, what does it mean to you? What do you think? And he just lit up. His face just was shining like the biggest sun. It literally was. Without without being a spoiler, what what, oh, what was his home? What, what was his definition? He started talking about things that I think we all take for granted. He said, he said, oh, my dining table. And I've got six chairs. And I'm like, I haven't thought about that, I think, forever. Just, he was giddy. He was laughing. He was laughing. When he was talking about it. Oh, he's just laughing. But, and that's like... As a normal normal populace, we don't think about what a blessing a thing as a dining table is. He was talking about what a blessing it is to be able to pay for his utilities. And I'm like, I never look at paying my utilities as a blessing. You know, because yeah. we just think, oh no, another bill. But he truly sees the beauty and all that it presents of this thing called home. And from there, it just went on with all the different subjects. Each one bringing a different perspective a, a different uh, uh, journey into the, the exhibition of work, and these you brought you brought them to to a studio or on. It, we did it in the shelter. Okay, that was going to say you did it yeah. in a room at Restart, yeah. so you weren't out. You didn't no, have to walk up no. on somebody because I've done that before, and that ain't. Mm. You know, I, I've, <laughs> done, I've done a little bit of it, but from the get-go with the work that I'm doing, and this is not only with the, the, the homeless work that I'm doing, but in general, I, I feel like my style is what I call isolation. And what I mean by that is I try to isolate the subject so there's not a, a lot of other things pulling the viewer, you know, to the field of flowers or whatever. Right. Yeah. And in the case of the homeless, you know, setting under an underpass and you know, stereotypic views that we have of the homeless. For me, it's like, no, no, no. I want to isolate the human. Very simply. But in the simplicity of that work, then comes the complexity. And that's all the little nuances that when you look at the work, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at a photograph right here, but I'm having like an intimate experience, very personal experience with this photo or this video to where it's like, I think I know this person, and I, 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 although I've never met them, I feel like I like this person. I want to get to know this person even better. What's it like to peel that onion? Huh. That's crazy that you said <laughs> it, because that's what I call it. I call it the onion. Okay, so my work's very simple, but it's a complexity, and I mm -hmm. call it the onion. And that's because you pull away the layers of what you're looking at. And, you know, for me, again, uh, my artistic fascination, that is, uh, that's a lot of the impetus of it. And that is, oh, I want to pull the layers of this onion from this person, and I want to create a situation where they feel 100% comfortable doing that in front of a camera, in front of somebody they probably just met, studio lights, on and on, and the person's like, oh. Randy, this is me. Take it or leave it. 
Mm-hmm. Here I am at my most real vulnerable self. And it, this is 180 degrees out of phase from their day-to-day. Total. And, I mean, it's bringing them into some place like this. But holy, what the hell? Yeah. How, did, how did you make them feel at ease? Because I mean, as somebody who doesn't, I mean, I, I live in this world. So I'm, I'm used yeah. to all of the stuff that you see here at the studio. Um, and I would be comfortable sitting down. So somebody coming straight out of Restar or as part of the program or straight off the street, how do, how do you get them? Okay, how, this how is... How do I do that? Yeah. You know, if I had the exact answer, I'd write a book for photography. But, uh, you know, it's different for every single person because every single person is different. But I will say this. I think people can read this with me, and that is I do have a a pretty overarching love of people. I have a compassion for people, and I think people sense that when I'm photographing them. And so uh, a trust is developed, and sometimes it literally happens in like two minutes. You see the light bulb go off. Oh, we're we're good to go. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a lot longer, and I'm good with that. You know, let's just let's just go down this little road that we're doing right here, right now, and let's see how long it goes. But ultimately, for me, it's that magic again. It's mm-hmm. that magic when I'm like, oh my gosh, this person trusts me to the point that they're revealing this to me. That's a sense of honor. That's almost a sacred feeling that I get uh, with every shoot that happens. And fortunately, it, it seems to happen. Almost on all the shoots. So how did Stacy? How did you? Did you work with Randy on coming up with who was going to be participating? Yes. Yeah, so he, we brought him the subjects, and he we gave him a little bio, a couple sentences on each person, but we didn't want to cloud his perception because, to his point, as as a person that sat in the room and watched it, he he is talking to people, and and I expect it's the same across the board as people, not as a label, and, and that's, I think, the essence and the, our primary objective of this. These aren't homeless people or formerly homeless people. These are people who happen to have that experience that gave them something in common, but he didn't treat them as anything other than, you know, Terry or Yolanda or TJ or Julie or whoever. And what what we did do intentionally is try to, because we are we are the only homeless shelter in downtown KCMO that takes all populations, regardless of gender, religion, um, ethnicity, family definition. And we wanted to be sure that the stories that we were bringing to him, that he would pull out, were representative of all of those things because the people that we serve are representative of all of those things. And, and they are what bring us to each other with commonality in spite of what might be different on the color of our skin or our face or a battle with addiction or not, or job loss or not. There are just so many things. And what he did so magically, I sat on the floor and cried through several of them, was make people feel comfortable to be themselves. And I think many of them were surprised hearing themselves tell their story to his point. It's the first time anyone asked. And several of them spoke about, you know, the labels people give them and how they view them as hobos or lazy or those words we hate to use and how they wish people could give them a chance or a second look or a removal of a label. 
and and that was pretty powerful to hear. And in this in this week's edition of uh, this week's print edition of the Northeast News, on the outside back page, we've got uh, the museum sponsored content. And without going into too much detail, who is the, the, and I'm pointing to a picture just so our listeners and we'll put this up uh, on our website. I'm pointing to the picture that's on the outside cover, back cover of the paper. Who is it? Why was she chosen? And give us an idea of, of her story. Sure. So she's been on and off the streets for many years. She comes from a big family that was loving. And her, what, what's her name? Eliza. Okay. Her parents split up when she was a child, and she came to Kansas City with her father, and the rest of the family stayed in California, where she's from, Los Angeles, with her mother. And she eventually took care of him, had her own family here. Over time, he died, and one thing led to another. She found herself without a home, and she joked when we gave her her picture that she wanted us to send it back to L.A. so it could hang next to the Hollywood sign, because someday she's going back there. So, yeah, and she was picked for that reason. I mean, she had a long life of things. She had a family. She, she did the things that America tells us we should. And she cared for her father. And, you know, like I said, one thing led to another that changed her path. And then um, she does struggle with some mental health challenges and staying stable in that regard. Because like so many, my, you know, my family members, you, you may need help with anxiety and you take medicine, you feel you're better. So you're like, I don't need it anymore. And if you don't, if you're living on the street, navigating on the street, you don't have someone necessarily to make sure you're taking it. Things can happen. Danger happens. Fear happens. Loneliness happens. Where is she now? She's actually back in the shelter, but safe and stable. And we're, we're working on that with her so that we can move her into an apartment. She's been approved to do that. We just want to make sure She's prepared to do that long-term with the medicine and that we're looking at ways with her healthcare team to make sure that that's regulated in a way that she doesn't have to worry about it. This, this exhibit, I, I, I think it's going to be so strong. What do you, Randy, what do you hope people take away from this? Oh, you know, uh, I stated this earlier and it's like, I don't want to pretend like I'm going to correct this this uh, problem of homelessness, but yet my goal is kind of the same, and, and that is I want people to walk in uh, and be touched to a depth that you don't walk out the same. And so as you go on in life, you know, then you you look at this this issue of homelessness with fresh eyes and a fresh heart. I'll ne- actually, I'll never forget with, with all the, the individuals I've photographed over the many, many years that are homeless, one thing that keeps coming up. And a lot of times, you know, the question comes up, like, what can people do to help you? That you're homeless, what can people do? And more times than not, almost like the number one thing is, it's like, I just want to be recognized as human, that I exist that people will look at me with their eyes and not look away. And so when people come to this, you know, I want them to be changed in such a way that they start doing things like that. And then that can lead into, it's like, you know what? Maybe I am going to do more, even proactively beyond that, 
to be part of the change. Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean anybody in, has to come up with a solution, but they can be part of the solution and they can start helping the organizations like Restart uh, to give them more resources, whether it's helping out or, of course, uh, this thing called donations and support, on and on and on. But together, it is a problem that we can, as a society, can make a massive difference on. We really can. It, it, it's interesting that, that you say that, and I just had you know kind of an aha moment uh, we just, in this personal, I had a, I had a building down on St. John and I had a homeless camp in back of it and I asked him to get off and I, I didn't, I didn't jump out of my truck yelling and screaming. It was like, Hey guys, you, you can't be on the parking lot. Can we move it off? Can we move it into the alley? And everybody, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Can we move the tent? Let's put it over here. Let's, I'll, I'll go inside. You got about 20 or 30 minutes and then we got to have it off. And everybody was, no problem, no problem, no problem, sir. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a picture. If you don't want to be in this picture, turn around or bend over. Because I didn't, I don't know who had warrants. I didn't know who was going to come out of the out of the couch at me. But I just, I wanted to give them the respect. You know, they helped me out. They got off my parking lot. Okay, and the only reason I was taking a picture was because of the county tax assessment. It went up anyway, big deal. But, and if you're from Jackson County, you know that story. But... Just the way that I treated them, and I got treated that way back. And it was just respect both ways. And I think so many times you see, ah, after you get out of the way, get off my, you know, and somebody puts a laser sight on their back or whatever, uh, you know, step back, take a minute, is, is I think yep. kind of the message. It, yep. it, the, at minimum, step back and take a minute. I just wanted to thank the museum for giving you this Oh, we can't do that. Uh. <laughs> because of something similar kind of to what you're saying, one of our participants, Kathy, says at one point in her interview, um, if you don't see us, we must not exist. Yeah. And, when, and when you look away, which many people do, either because you, if you look and make eye contact, then you're on the hook. And are you going to give them money? And are then you going to wonder what they're going to do with the money you gave them? And, and also, is it any of your darn business what they do? But, but that business of if, if you don't see us, we must not exist. And that mm -hmm. happened in Kansas City when the draft occurred. And if you saw us on television, there were no homeless in Kansas City because we bulldozed camps. And I'm not here to criticize that. It's a common practice across the country. But to Kathy's point, if you can't see them, they don't exist. The museum is giving us an opportunity for people to be seen with Randy's amazing lens and not just how he captures them in the still pictures, but the words he draws out and the recorded film. And, and we can't do that and help change the stigma and the way people see and discuss homelessness if the Kansas City Museum doesn't give us an avenue to do that. I was just going to say I was, I was really excited because of all the things that have been mentioned, but just personally, um, I began working with Restart back in 2007. I, uh, thinking about this interview, started going back to old emails. There was a woman named Linda Kimnitzer who reached out to me because I'm also a poet and uh, wanted me to do some poetry workshops with the young people. Uh, she volunteered doing arts programs with, with the students there. And uh, I remember feeling like very uncomfortable, like, 
are these young people going to want to write poems if they're not sure where they're going to be staying, if their families have been um, dismantled in some way. And as soon as I came in, I just intuitively knew not to make it different than the way I interacted with any other students. And they just lit up. And I just wanted to share, I came across a poem, a very brief one, um, that a young woman named Erin wrote. She was 11 years old at the time. This was 2007. And I thought it was appropriate because it's a, a self-portrait poem. And these, are, these are portraits. And she said, my eyes are a tan crayon. My hands are the color of caramel. My hair is smooth like sterling. My skin is as pretty as a butterfly. My feet are fast like a cheetah. My heart is as big as a mansion. My thoughts are as smart as me. Wow. How old was she? She was 11. That's from an 11-year-old? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I just was so thrilled when I came across this last night. and thought it would be cool to share. I'm glad you did. That's... Yeah. I'm, I'm not speechless a lot. <laughs> but I... That... That hit me. Wow. That's... Mm. So, when does this kick off at the Kansas City Museum? When does the exhibit kick off? How does it kick off? And how long will it be in place? It will open to the public on Friday, November 3rd. And it'll run through April 28th of 2024. And um, Stacy can tell us about all the great programming that's going to happen, too, which I'm really excited about. Sure, and you can see it all on the website at the Kansas City Museum as well as on restartyouth.org. But we're inviting the community to come and have a number of community conversations on various topics. So we'll start that off in January with a legislative breakfast where we're inviting regional, local, um, and national politicians who represent our area to come see the film, experience the photographs, have some conversation about the work we're doing and sort of our vision for the future. And then we'll roll through things like dignity. Um, we'll consider things like public responsibility, housing as healthcare. We'll have a number of community conversations with leaders from other nonprofits that serve uh, this population of folks, as well as folks from the museum, as well as healthcare providers as well as people with lived experience. Our goal is that at every conversation we have, there will be at least one people from the one person from the film who comes to breathe in and available to answer the questions. Uh, it's of course gonna be up to them to participate. And everyone has been, you know, the day we gave them their pictures, we had a little party and they we wrapped them like Christmas and they all, Randy was kind to provide a beautiful portrait and we framed them them um, and several of them were a little taken aback at first and they some were black and white some are color so it was the whole debate how come how come mine's not color how come mine's black and white and a few of them their initial reaction was I look so awful and then as they talked about it and each person as they unwrapped went around and sort of spoke about what they were feeling when they saw the picture how they felt about their journey and several of them after their initial reaction said I'm okay with this because it's a part of my story, and look at me now. And, and just even that, um, 
just incredible. So again, thanks to the museum. Glenn and I are going to be best friends by the time <laughs> April. He may never want to see me again. No, they may lock me true. out permanently. But we're going to be working on sort of all of that, what that looks like, how we invite the community. The museum wants the community to come, the neighbors over there to come. We're going to be sharing this exhibit to people in Springfield, Lawrence, in the hope that folks regionally come in. Because it is people here that, that have been part of our programs. But these are people, some of whom didn't weren't born here, like Eliza, and some of whom could be in any community, right? And it's sort of that part of it, inviting us all to just welcome the, the humanness of that journey. Put a face on it. Yeah. Good. Randy, what is your website, real quick? Uh, my name, randybacon.com. And that, that, just as simple as that? As simple as that. Everything's better with bacon. <laughs> That's my mark. You <laughs> had marketing tagline. <laughs> you had to go there, right? I gotta go yeah, get some mayonnaise and find it to mail. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much. Anna Marie Tutera, thank you very much. Sure. Glenn, thank you very much sure. for joining us. The poem just that's that's awesome. Um, Randy, uh, thank you for making you, you. Me made the drive from Springfield yeah. today. So, and it and it ain't nice. It's raining, just <laughs> for the record. It's raining cats and dogs outside, and you made the drive from Springfield. Oh, yeah. So, right. kudos. <laughs> and then, Stacy, thank you very much for sharing. And we hope to see everybody uh, on November 3rd at the opening. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you.